Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. All right, so this week we'll, you guys will get to meet a couple of our uh, Bible Buddy videos, and we have a couple of them this week to show you guys. We got a lizard, you can see him on the wall, we got a coyote, whatever that bird is. All right, don't even know what that thing is. It's called Quincy, but honestly, I don't know what the bird is. All right, but we do have a lot of fun things planned this week, and I'm glad that we do a VBS kickoff service on the first day of VBS because I think it's it's important. I think a couple things. One, it helps the kids and parents kind of get an idea of what's going on this week. They get excited about it, look forward to uh, that night. But also, I think it's important uh, as a church body for us to understand what goes on within other ministries within the church. Right? And when you guys get to experience what goes on VBS, hopefully I encourage you guys to commit to praying with us this week as we pray for the kids who will be coming in. We pray for the leaders who will be serving. We pray uh, for the parents that maybe we get a chance to minister to as well. Um, and so we want to encourage you to partner with that. But VBS is a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, most of us probably at some point uh, in our life have attended a VBS. Right? And some of us can give uh, great testimonies of what God has done uh, through a VBS in your life. Maybe VBS was the first time you ever heard the gospel. Like for many kids, at VBS is the first time they ever hear the gospel message. Or maybe for you, maybe VBS, maybe you just didn't hear the gospel message, but you responded to the gospel message, and it was a VBS that you gave your life to Jesus, right? Some of us can testify to that. Or some of us, we can say, listen, I didn't, maybe you didn't give your life to Christ at VBS, but God did so many wonderful things through the people who volunteered at VBS. I hear stories all the time of, of people who, whose kids, maybe they had a rough background, whatever it was, and, and but they're impacted by someone there at VBS who encouraged them and loved on them and continue to do so well past VBS. So many of us can have all sorts of testimonies, just what VBS is like. And this week, our prayer is, is as the kids come in, and they usually sit right here in the middle, right where they're at, they're going to be packed in this middle area, right? We hope that by the end of the week that they too could walk away with a testimony of what God did in their life at VBS this week. And that's our prayer. And we want to encourage you to pray with us this week. But every year at VBS, you always have a theme. Like VBS is always going to have themes. And nowadays, there's so many companies and so many organizations that make VBS material. Like you can find bukus of different themes. And so trying to look through those and see what you want to find could be a challenge. Uh, but we go with, uh, this year with a group called Group. <laughs> And uh, the theme this year is called Monumental. As you can see, it's kind of in the Grand Canyon, the desert type thing. And the, I can't want to say a hashtag, but it's not a hashtag. It's the, the motto, I guess, is celebrating God's greatness. And this week, what we want to do at VBS is through uh, the music, through the crafts, through everything that we do, especially in our time where they uh, are in their Bible groups, is we want them to experience how great God is, right? And I mean, again, many of us can give testimony after testimony about God's greatness. If, if you have been a follower of Christ for any time at all, you have something to claim to of how great God is. And if you can't think of anything, you look at the cross and you got it already, right? I mean, we can go on and on about how great God is. So this week, we want to, the kids experience and celebrate God's greatness. Now, in doing that, the kids, they're going to be set up in the story of Joseph, now, we all have heard of the story of Joseph. Joseph is a very popular character in the Bible. He's most popular because people see here Joseph. What do people uh, connect to Joseph? What's the one thing you think of when someone says Joseph? You're like, 
ooh, a bright colored robe. Like that jumps out. Like when you say Daniel, what comes in that? Lion's den, David, Goliath, right? Joseph, what comes to Joseph? That bright colored coat. Now this, this week with, during VBS, the kids are going to walk through the story and the life of Joseph. And so uh, just real quick, I'm going to recap what these guys are going to face this week or learn this week. Uh, so they're going to see the very beginning story where Joseph and his family has that like, family feud going on, right? Where Joseph's brothers aren't really in favor of Joseph because we know Joseph's dad, Jacob, he has a favorite son, and his favorite son is Joseph. Now, most parents probably wouldn't tell you they have, have a favorite kid. Parents, how many of y'all have a favorite kid? Not a single one. <laughs> That's not what he just said to me. All right, you said he's your favorite. He went, nope. All right, I'm just kidding. I'm just, but kids often argue, who is their parents' favorite? Y'all's kids argue that? I bet they do. You're mom and dad's favorite. No, you're mom and dad's favorite. I know growing up, me and my brother, we argue that all the time. You're their favorite. No, you're their favorite. My kids do the same thing. And simply it's when someone gets in trouble. You know, they're like... You only got me in trouble because you like them better. Like this, the argument always goes on. But, he, but in this day and time, you had your favorite kids, all right? Parents don't have favorite kids. They love everyone differently, okay? That's how we get around it, right? Now, Jacob, he had his favorite son. His favorite son was Joseph. And the reason, well, part of that is because Joseph was the firstborn of Rachel. And so naturally, Jacob's like, this is my boy. And so Jacob likes Joseph the most. And he shows Jacob a lot of favor. Or he shows Joseph a lot of favor. And he gives Joseph this, uh, this nice colored coat. That was the only reason that his brothers didn't like him. Joseph was a dreamer. So Joseph would dream. And Joseph had the ability to interpret dreams. So Joseph... Uh, would have these dreams, and when he would interpret the dreams, he'd tell his brothers, and he'd tell his dad about them, and basically in the dreams, uh, his brothers would bow down and kind of like worship him, right? Or praise him a little bit, and so his brothers grew this, the Bible says, grew this hate towards Joseph. And so much so, they're like, we're going to do something about it. So the kids are going to learn about that family feud. They're going to learn about... Um, about how Joseph was in prison and learned how Joseph got sold into slavery and how, he's, how he was uh, in Potiphar's house. We know the story that Joseph found great favor uh, with God because Joseph remained faithful to God, and so God blessed Joseph. Um, but we, then we know that Potiphar's wife had the hubba hubbas uh, for Joseph. You've got to keep it clean for the kids, right? And then, uh, and then Potiphar's wife lied about him, and Joseph got sent to prison, and then in prison, Joseph had the, had the opportunity to interpret dreams, which led to him eventually interpreting a dream uh, for Pharaoh, which then led to Joseph becoming uh, this high official for Pharaoh, which allowed him, basically, his job was to store the food uh, for the famine to come. And so, so they're going to get the story of Joseph. And the thing about the story of Joseph is just like any story in the Bible, you can, I mean, God is written all through that story, and God's greatness is just plastered all through there, and the kids are going to experience that and hopefully see how great our God really is. Now, this morning what we're going to do is, is instead of focus on Joseph, I'll talk to, about him in just a minute, but instead of focus on Joseph this morning, I want to focus on God's greatness. And do so, we're going to be in uh, Psalm 145, uh, verses 1 through 3. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalms 145. We're going to be the first three verses there, and we're going to be looking at God's greatness. Now, when you think about the word great, there is a certain character that comes to mind, Tony the Tiger. Y'all, y'all, y'all know Tony the Tiger? Yeah. All right. Uh, kids? What does Tony Tiger say? Y'all tell me. 
They're great, right? And what is he talking about when he says they're great? What is he talking about? Who? Frosty. Oh, frost, fro, uh, frosted flakes. I said frosty flakes. I like those are dope. Like, frosted flakes. And in the commercial, when he has the frosted flakes, he says, they're great. And I have a question. Are they really, though? Like, frosted flakes are good. Now, what the best part of frosted flakes is the cereal or the milk, not the milk. It's, it's sugary and it's milky. And what's not to love about that? But frosted flakes are no lucky charms, right? So we're going to leave that there. Uh, but we have, we have the ability, we use this word great, and we can tag it on just about anything, right? It's, very, it's a very flexible word for us in the human language, if you think about it. Uh, like, for example, you say, how was your pizza? Pizza was great. How was the movie? Movie was great. How was work today? Work was great, right? We can, use, we can tag on great to just about anything thing that we do. We're like, man, it was great. But this morning what I want us to do, I want us to look at how great God really is in Psalm 145, because what we're going to do is we're going to find this morning that, that God's greatness is actually beyond our comprehension. And so starting in verses, uh, starting in verse 1, the first three verses, follow along with me. It says, I exalt you, my God the King, and bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, Lord, as we dive into uh, the passage this morning, Lord, as we look and, and see, Lord, just uh, how great you are and how your greatness is much uh, bigger than we can understand, Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, you use this text to open our eyes and our hearts to you. And in order to do that, Father God, I pray, Lord, that return, that we see your greatness and it leads us to praise you Lord, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will move uh, through us now. In Christ's name, pray. Amen. So in this passage, uh, David wrote these verses, and, and David's writing his attention to exalt and praise the name of God every day, and for how long? Forever and ever and ever. But why is David praising God forever and ever and ever? It's because of God's greatness. We find the end of verse 3, he says what? He says, his greatness is unsearchable. And that word unsearchable there, it means without, uh, beyond comprehension and beyond explanation. Like God's greatness just goes that big. Uh, and the NIV, it actually says this. I like the way the NIV puts it. It says, his greatness no one can fathom. And just think about that. His greatness no one can fathom. So this morning what I want us to do, I want us to look at three quick things uh, that God's greatness is more than we can fathom. And so what we're going to do is look at three quick things. The first one is this. Our God is unfathomably great in his creativity and power. God is unfathomably great in his creativity and power. Uh, Colossians 1, chapter 16 through 17 says this. For by him all things created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is able before all things... In him, all things hold together. So Jesus, basically, he sustains all things. He holds all things. When it says in the very beginning, for by him all things were created, this is referring to Jesus. So before him, by him, all things were created. The visible, the invisible, right? It says this, in heaven, on earth, the visible, the invisible, whatever thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, that is everything, right? That has ever been made, created, everything we can see, everything we can't see, everything was made by Jesus. But then it goes on, it says, all things were created through him and then for him. So everything was created 
for the glory of Christ. Like his own, he made everything for his own glory. That's important for us to remember, right? Because that's part of how great he is. So he made everything for his own glory. All right, and in and he is in all things, and in him all things hold together. So everything that he has ever made, God holds together. And what I want to do is I want to illustrate this real quick, and I want to kind of use space. Like, I've always been a big, I like space. Y'all like space? Like, I like, space is really cool. When I, when I was growing up, there was a point in time I want to be an astronomer. I got thought astronomy would be really cool, and then I found out you had to do math. And I was like, nope, I'm out. And all your engineers are like, you don't like math? No, I cannot stand math, right? So I say that to say this. I'm going to use a couple illustrations today, and I didn't do any of this math, okay? If the internet said it, I took it as truth, okay? So if I say something, you're like, that's not mathematically right, I'm just going to take your word for it, okay? So, uh, so we're going to kind of use the universe to illustrate just how great God is. So we're going to think about our earth for a minute. So our earth, we would say, is a pretty big planet, right? It's pretty big. Now, again, I didn't do the math. I'm taking the internet's word for this. So if you picked a straight point and you were to drive straight around the world on this, on this straight point and you would drove nonstop 24 hours a day, nonstopping. I know it sounds impossible, but we're just imagining. All right, it would take you roughly 20 days to drive 25,000 miles, basically, around the whole earth. And y'all are probably thinking that doesn't sound right. And I'm like, the internet said so, so it's truth because everything on the internet is true, right? And so it would take you about that long to drive on there. Now, that's a big thing. Now, think about the earth compared to the sun. Think how big the earth is compared to the sun. So we take the earth, and then we compare it to the sun, and it's not even funny how bigger the sun is, right? You know how many earths can fit into the sun? Y'all want to guess? How many earths can fit in the sun? Around 50, you're not even close. All right, 1.3 million uh, suns, okay? almost said billion. I knew that one, right? So 1.3 million suns. Again, I'm taking the Internet's word for this, all right? So 1.3 million suns fit, or earths fit inside the suns. I get tongue twisted a lot. So 1.3 million suns, million earths, gosh, fit inside. If 1.3 million suns came into the earth, we have no hope, all right? So 1.3 million earths fit inside the sun. That's a huge sun. Now, to illustrate how big the universe is, I want to shrink down our solar system. So we're going to shrink down from the sun to the last planet, which is Pluto. All right? I refuse to acknowledge Pluto is anything but a planet. All right? Speak my truth this morning, okay? So we're going, to, we're going to shrink this thing down to where the sun is the size of a basketball. You know I'm going to use basketball at some point in my illustration. So we're going to shrink the, the solar system down to where the sun is the size of a basketball. Now, do you know how close Mercury would be if you had our solar system as shrunk down to the size of a basketball? You know how close Mercury would be to, the, to, be our, to our basketball sun? Mercury would be 80 feet away, right? You know how far Pluto would be from the sun? Pluto would still be five miles away from our basketball. Think about that. We shrunk our solar system, our planets, from the sun to Pluto, and we struck them down for the sun to be the size of a basketball, but yet Pluto is still five miles away. That's a ridiculous thing. And then when you think about the planets and you blow everything back up to normal size, I mean, how far can our telescopes go? And we came as touch how big our universe is. And here's the thing. Jesus created all of that. 
for his own glory. And he holds all that together. And here's the beautiful thing. We can't even fathom all that's there and how Jesus does it and how he holds everything together. We can't comprehend that. But here's what, what I do know. Is that the same God who created everything, the same, the same God who, who holds everything in his hands, he keeps the planets in orbit, keeps everything rotating as it should, which, by the way, he does it with ease. It's not even hard for him. He's not like, man, if I take one more thing, I'm it, I'm done. Like, everything is easy for him. The same God who created all that desires a relationship with every single one of us. And that just blows my mind that there is a God who can do all that, but yet he created all of us for him and he desires a relationship with all of us. And I'm just like, how could a God be that great? That he loved us enough to create us and give us life and separate us to be different from every other thing in creation. We're the only thing that he's ever made that was made in his image, okay? So that separates from everything, and he set us apart for himself, and he desires a relationship with us. And so it just goes on further to show us that, you know, God's greatness, we can't, we cannot comprehend. If you want to understand God's greatness, you're just going to go around a circle, all right? You're going to give yourself a headache. So the first thing we see is that, uh, that he's unfathomably great in his by his creativity and his power. The second thing we look at is God is unfathomably great in his nature and his work. So he's unfathomably great in his nature and his work. In order to illustrate this, we're going to have like three quick uh, subpoints. So subpoint A is this. Uh, we see God's unfathomably great, his unfathomable greatness in Jesus' nature. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is Jesus God or is Jesus man? The correct answer would be yes. Right? Like, it's just one of those like, is Jesus God or is Jesus man? The answer is yes. So Jesus is 100% God, and he's 100% man. Now, for us, in our human mindsets, that doesn't make any sense. How can you have 100% of something and 100% of another thing, and it be, if I took my water bottle here, and I had grape juice and apple juice, and I was going to fill my water bottle, I could either fill my water bottle with 100% grape juice, or 100% apple juice. I could not fill my water bottle both with 100% grape juice and 100% apple juice. If I put both of them in here, I have some weird gross-tasting drink that I don't want to drink, right? That's some percentage of like 50% grape juice, 50% apple juice. It makes no sense. I can't do it. But yet God, but yet Jesus is still 100% God and 100% man. You don't ever see someone walking around and saying, hey, you know, what's your heritage? You ask people all the time, like, hey, what's your heritage? People are like, I'm Irish, I'm, you know, whatever. You never hear someone go, walk around and go, hey, I'm 100% Irish and 100% Native American. That sounds like a really cool person I want to hang out with. But you can't do it. You can't be 100% of two things, but yet Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And for us, we are very thankful that he is. Because we have this issue that's called a sin debt, Right? And that sin debt uh, separates us from a holy God. And there's nothing you and I could ever do about that sin debt. Nothing we could do about it, right? Not a single thing could I ever do to ever take care of my own sin debt. But Jesus could. But Jesus could. And since Jesus he left his throne in heaven. He came born of a virgin, and he lived a holy, sinless, perfect life. Jesus, because he was 
100% God, 100% man, Jesus could be our sacrifice. He could be the one to atone for our sins. Because our sin debt was not owned by God. Our sin debt was owed by us. Like, we were the ones who owed, like, human beings owed the sin debt, not God. We did, right? So as human as that sin and human beings that owe the debt, and if there was going to be a second Adam who would act as our substitute for sinners, then it had to be a human being. So here comes Jesus on the scene who is 100% God, 100% man, who can take on the full punishment of our sin, take on the sin of the world on himself to the cross and satisfy the wrath of a holy God. Only Jesus could do that. Point B is this. The greatness of God's work is in the authorship of the Scriptures. We just read Colossians, right? Paul wrote Colossians. So we read Colossians. Was that the word of God or was that Paul's words, right? The answer is, is yes. Like it was, Paul wrote them down, but who inspired him to write it down? We find out that all, all Scriptures are inspired by God, so who inspired him to write it down? The answer would be God. So we look at these things and we can just point to, to just how great he is, that God can ordain everything and have men write down these words right here at the time when he had them write down, put together the whole Bible the way it was put together for us, for that love letter for us to have, okay? And the third thing is this, God's unsearchable greatness is in his sovereign governance, okay? You think about God's sovereignty. He holds all things together. So when decisions are made, is it God's sovereignty or is it our own decisions? We know that God is sovereign over all things, which means he controls all things. He oversees all things, but yet we still have a human element, our free will that allows us to make decisions, Right, think about the Joseph for a minute, okay? When, when, when uh, Joseph's brothers decided to s- sell him into slavery, was that part of God's sovereign, you know, decision-making there? Or was that the decision-making of the brothers? It was clearly the decision-making of the brothers to make the decision, hey, we don't like Joseph, we hate Joseph, let's get rid of him, let's sell him to slavery. But yet it was God's sovereignty that directed Joseph's life in such a way they put Joseph right where he wanted Joseph to be when Joseph needed to be there, right? And it's it's one of those things we we can go on and on, around and around and around trying to paint a picture of how great God truly is. You can look all through the Scriptures, you can find examples. We have that God is unfathomably great with his creativity and his power. He's unfathomably great in his work in nature, and he's unfathomably great in his abounding love and mercy. Ephesians 3.19 says this, Know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me read that again. Know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God's love and mercy surpasses all knowledge and understanding. So that picture of trying to understand God's greatness, which we know that we can't ever understand, God's love and his mercy surpasses all of that. And thankful it does. Because there's a lot I don't understand. Yet his love and his mercy goes much bigger and beyond that. Because what we want to do is we understand God's greatness and we see God's greatness. There's only one proper response to seeing God's greatness. That's to exalt Him in His rightful place and to worship Him and to praise His name every single That is the only response that we have when we see God's greatness. We experience God's grace and we see God's greatness in action. It always is just as David said, I exalt you, my King. I praise you forever and ever because your greatness is unsearchable. 
God is great. We won't be able to understand everything there is to know. We can't understand how great He is. We can't understand a lot of things uh, that have to do with the Scriptures with God, but we know that His love and His mercy goes beyond that. We know that despite our lack of understanding and our lack of knowledge, that God still loves us enough to still desire that relationship with us. He still loves us enough and says, you know what, it's okay. Because the more we grow with Christ, the more we know, the more we understand. We'll never get there. We'll never get the full understanding. But the more we grow in Him, the more we become like Him, the more we understand of Him. Which, in return, brings us to exalting Him and praising Him even more because we've tasted more of who He is. In just a minute, we're going to have an invitation. We're going to have sing Amazing Grace together. Uh, during that time, I want to invite you to do whatever God's working on your heart. Maybe you're here this morning, and you know what? You're hearing this Jesus thing for the very first time. That you're a sinner separated from God, and there's nothing you can do about your sin, but there's this Jesus guy who took your sin to the cross with him, who defeated death, who defeated sin, and we can have a relationship with him. All we have to do is give our life to Jesus. That's you. I would love to talk to you. Brother Al's over here, our pastor. He would love to talk to you, and we would love to show you who this Jesus guy and what he's all about. Or maybe there's something else that God's work on your heart. The altar will be open. Like the altar, come down here, pray, take care of whatever it is that God is taking care of you. But here's what I want to uh, encourage you to do, though. If you're going to be staying where you're seated, uh, I'm going to give you guys a little challenge. So all the kids for VBS, they sit right here in the middle. So if you're in this middle area, from the front all the way to the back, if, if you would, pray for the kids who are going to be sitting right here. Tuesday night, we'll dismiss the, the little ones, but the older kids, they're going to be sitting right here Tuesday night, and they're going to hear the gospel message. They're going to get the gospel in their Bible class as well. Pray that their hearts and their ears will be open to that. Pray that the kids respond to the things that we, that we, what we point to them and teach them about Jesus this week. If you're on the sides, a lot of time our leaders will sit on the sides. Some will sit in the middle with them to make sure they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, but we have a lot of leaders still on the side. If you're on the sides this morning, I want you to pray for our leaders. As they invest in the kids this week, as they love on the kids this week, because I'll tell you what, VBS tired is a real tired. By the end of the week, you're like, man, I'm exhausted, but it's a good exhaustion. Pray for them this week as they continue to love on these kids and to point these kids to Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing Amazing Grace together and then respond how whatever it is that Jesus work on your heart this morning, if nothing else, pray for our kids and our leaders this week at VBS. Let me pray. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.